Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Caught Offside. With Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught offside. Just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Just outside number one for the best soccer podcast as well, according to the... So, uh, what is it? The, the sports, sports Podcast Awards. Sports Podcast Awards. What, what an unbelievable honor to have uh, finished runner-up in the best football podcast category and uh, finish runner up to something as as fated and as enjoyable and as good as the overlap Gary Neville's the overlap featuring Roy Keane Jill Scott and uh, Jimmy Carragher so yeah stick to football was number one which is I guess the overlap is kind of like a series like stick to football is a part of of the overlap overlap. network yeah Yeah. Um, that finished number one and then and then this very podcast, Caught Offside, finished second in the Sports Podcast Awards. I cannot I cannot possibly thank all of you guys and girls out there listening to this right now enough. You got out the vote. We asked if people would cast their votes for this show, and holy cow, did you ever? I did not. Look, I think highly of this show, obviously, yeah. um, but I don't know that I thought we would finish second in the awards. I thought, oh. let's. this could be fun. Let's Let's see. We got nominated which was amazing. And lo and behold, second place. Incredible. I can't, I, I genuinely, I can't thank everybody enough. I mean, the company we're in was, was like I said, like top of the pile. So, yeah. so for us to get second is, it's, it's very special and it's very nice. It's, it's just nice. There's no smugness or arrogance here. It's nice that you guys all came out, felt strongly enough about our podcast and voted for it. That's really what it comes down to. Very cool. Really, really. So all my, I guess, starting pods asking people to place their votes, it was not in vain. It wasn't in vain, but I mean, your ultimate aim was to to knock Gary Neville off his perch. And uh, again, I I should say, I want to make it clear. I love that show. I think that it's excellent and it's and it probably should win like they're It's incredible. The cast that they have and and how good they are. I just wanted the scene to occur where someone has to tell those titans of football media yeah. that they've lost to J.J. Devaney and Andrew Gunling. I just wanted that scene to happen, but we, should, now we, we go on and wait another year for it. We should mention that we've had two of the protagonists of that show on our own podcast in the last few years. It's a while since we had Jamie Carragher on, and the the audio was just not good. It was, oh, <laughs> it was my first right. venturing into the field with it, and uh, ESPN gave me a mic at uh, ESPN New York, and honestly... If I'd taken it out of a Kinder Surprise, it would have been. You know what a Kinder Surprise is? No. So Kinder Surprise is the German chocolate company, and you Uh open up the egg, and inside the egg, there's a toy. 
Okay. Well, if I if I taken the the microphone from a Kinder Surprise and it worked, it would have worked better than what I was given. And a carer actually told me he was hung over before doing it, so he didn't really want to be there. There's background bar noise; it was bad. But we had Righty on. Was it last year or the year before? I think twenty longer longer ago than that. But I remember he, I remember him being excellent. He was oh, a yeah. great guest on the show. Great. I so love talking to him. So yeah, and I I'm constantly trying to find devise a way to get to Roy Keane so we can get him on here because I think that will be the ultimate for us. So it's it's really nice to lose out to those guys, yeah, and finish second. Um, so there. And also things. we had a uh, there's a brilliant podcast coming up, an unbelievable podcast. We're going to talk about um, all the action over the last few days. Um, Lindsay Horan has been speaking, Andrew. Oh. And he's, oh yeah. And she's had things to say to the excellent Meg Linehan of The Athletic. And I want to bring some of those things to you because oh. you haven't read it. You don't, you don't adore to read like I do. Um, no, I, I actually don't know what you're referring to. And yeah. you know, that makes me uncomfortable when you go rogue and I'm not, I'm not in on what's happening. I get nervous, sweaty. Yeah. So, so whatever you do, you have to listen after the break I, to, to, to test how nervous Andrew will get. And also we have something, it, it's a, it's a huge Huge issue, um, and we're going to discuss it. It, it. it revolves around respect or lack of respect, and um, it, it's it's massive. I think we always like to touch the the big hot button issues, and this one is you've got to wait for the second half of the podcast to listen to it. Um, we also respect. had a respect, 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 respect. Uh, also, we had a day out yesterday, me and you, in my in my in my manner. Yeah, well, I was going to say for for everyone who was taking part in dry January, congratulations, you've made it. We're into February, and you and I were very much not yesterday when we went out to watch. We were uh, we quite went out, wet. Yeah, we went out yesterday together to watch the uh, the games in Brooklyn. It was a ton of fun. I wanted to ask something to you. Now, I swear we'll get into the soccer after that. Yeah. But um, so it was it was a nice bit of day drinking that went on. And, it wasn't crazy though. We didn't no, do shots. But, so. No, no, but but it was it was pretty good. And when yeah. I got home, mm. you know, because it was afternoon games, I got home for for around like a late dinner. Yeah. So I ate like what you know my kids and wife they had eaten beforehand. I ate what was left. And I would say this now in hindsight, <laughs> JJ, when you're thinking of like good foods for a slight hangover, um, salmon is not high on the list. No, you'd have to make a salmon sandwich out of that and put like cheese and stuff. This stuff was just on. a piece of fish, a piece nah, of salmon. No, and it's I, I took not going to cut it. I it's took not going to do it. Bites. I took two bites. I said, nope, this ain't it. Give me, I'm going to put in <laughs> a piece of, I'm going to have toast. I just want toast. What are the, what are your favorite hangover foods generally? Um, I love, I love a Chinese hungover. Um, but, but again, I, I, I'd have like, you know, maybe the dumplings and I'd have general sauce chicken. Okay. Um, and I love, I love a good, a good slice of pizza and maybe like yeah. some mozzarella sticks, something oh, like that. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Also, the, I'd say for the morning after a nice, like bacon and cheese omelet. Oh, bang. Perfection. Well, well, absolutely. I don't do the bacon anymore, but, um, an omelet. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. But salmon. No. <laughs> Can't have it. Salmon. Can't have it. No. It's not going to do anything for you. Maybe salmon, and if there was a side of, we'll say, uh, some kind of heavy carb like like tater tots or chips. But who orders salmon and tater tots? It's just not a thing. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. So just a word of advice for everyone out there: if you're dealing with a hangover, no salmon. Um, let's get into it now, JJ. Liverpool. One of the games that we were at the bar watching yesterday. They they just they just dominate Chelsea. Yeah. 
And so, can I just say, it doesn't yeah. matter how low down Chelsea are. That is always to beat them is always so satisfying. And it doesn't happen very often. This is their this is the first decisive match between these two since what was it like 2019 or something? I mean, it's been a, a a series of draws. No, it, it's I think way back. Yeah, I I think we 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 beat them at the bridge. Um, Jorginho missed a penalty. I think that that might have been the game. I actually don't know. There's a lot of draws and a lot of cup finals and draws and penalty shootouts and and, and such. You certainly um, don't get many four ones, and that was the case in this one. And so before kind of diving into it, because there's a lot to say about this one with Connor Bradley and uh, some of the decisions, refereeing, VAR, all that stuff. But mm-hmm. but but I wanted to just first and foremost just ask you a game like this, a really decisive win for Liverpool over Chelsea. Who does it say more about? Was this? Did you watch this? And it's wow, Liverpool are, are really clicking? Or did you watch it and say, oh dear, Chelsea are just, this is just a shell of the Chelsea that we know? I think a little bit of both. You can't look at the game and see Conor Bradley's performance. You can't look at the game and see McAllister's performance, Jota, and then think, oh, well, you know, that Chelsea were just terrible. You have to balance it out. No, Chelsea were bad and are bad. Um, just for example, uh, Caicedo on the first goal, you know, giving away a possession so sloppy, but that doesn't automatically mean it should be a goal. It's a very, very good break by Liverpool who are on the front foot. Um, uh, Badi Ashili on the penalty, um, which was missed by Darwin Nunes, but like just standing on Jota's ankle, just bad tackle. And and he was really poor on on the Sobislai goal as well. I mean, he just doesn't get across to Bradley. You can say Bradley's cross is great. It, it's brilliant. But when you see... Uh, Badi Ashili just kind of, how would you say, like strolling across, makes no real effort to stop the cross. It's just bad. And then up front, you have the Mudrick miss uh, from that cross. Was it Raheem Sterling put in? And he's just stretching for it. And it's he, a hundred million pound player has to do better than that. Uh, and he was generally poor. The thing you take from it is at least Nkunku scored. If you're a Chelsea fan, I guess. I mean, that's a, a small consolation, but sure, it, you want him playing well. Yeah, you know, it was a, it was a sharp, it was a sharp go of finish. Now, look, in in days gone by, could Conor Gallagher have been given a penalty at nil nil? Possibly, yeah, but it wouldn't change the sway or the preponderance of the play or the way, or who dominated the game. You know, it will. It was it was Liverpool. Um, no, I, I'm not saying that it was a penalty, but in the past, you, you might have seen that. The threshold is a bit higher, thankfully, for what is, de- is deemed a penalty. And and that, for me, wasn't enough. Um, you come out of that game thinking, looking at the both sides, you think Liverpool missing out on Caicedo, uh, even though they never really got someone in for that position and getting getting McAllister and Arsenal missing, missing out on Mudrick. Two yeah. absolute strokes of luck for 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 the two teams that will meet each other on Sunday. Um, yeah, look, I th- I thought Liverpool were brilliant. I thought they were exhilarating, uh, but I can't say that I thought Chelsea were any use. They were they were poor. So obviously, in the wake of this one, the one name that has been uttered more than any other is Connor Bradley. This performance was it, it was amazing. He has now burst on the scene, and I I do wonder if it. I guess this is a good. This is truly bursting on the scene, isn't it? Yeah, this this is the definition of of scene bursting. Yeah, I I know you're not into it, JJ, but in our fantasy Premier League, uh, Connor Bradley put up 42 fantasy points in this game. And by the way, if a guy puts up 11, like he had a a decent game. (laughs) 
Well, can I just give you that? Well, let's go through where he got those fantasy points quickly. His yeah. uh, really actually underrated pass to Jota for the opening goal. Bradley scores himself. His cross to Sobberschlight for the third. Um, put, put all that together and you're going to get uh, 42 points, I guess. Yeah. And so I do wonder not to cast any kind of dark cloud over it. Um, but uh, uh, Robbie Fowler on TNT afterwards, it was talking about Connor Bradley and, and what this means for Liverpool. Mm. He says the manager will have a headache now because I'm not sure you can leave him out of the side. Anyone who went over his side, he defended unbelievably. Um, what did the, I mean, you and I we were at the bar yesterday. We were talking a little bit about it. Like, I don't know because yeah. Robertson and not that it necessarily affects Robertson. It's the, on the other side, but Trent Alexander Arnold, he's, he's come back from his knee injury. He's on the bench. Um, what do you do here? I don't know how with with the way Connor Bradley's playing. I don't know how you sit him, but Trent Alexander Arnold has a catalog of, of a years worth of material, multiple years worth of, of material that you can go off of to say, well, he's a great player. Um, what do you do here? It's it's it, it's tough, and I dismissed you yesterday at the bar. Hmm. Um, I kind of just said no. He, he he's not ready just to to. I still believe it to be true that he's not ready to slot in Trent Alexander-Arnold into an exclusive midfield role and then leave Bradley as the fullback. Just leave him there and let him do his thing. Because I do think in the 4-3-3, it's going to upset things. Um, but we'll, I was reading... Because that's that's I felt that very firmly yesterday. But over time, I considered what you said to me and I read a few things, Will Ford in particular, and I'm wobbling a bit now. Um Wilfer Board writes, and Klopp will now be thinking about square pegs in round holes because whether it's playing Bradley at left back or Trent in midfield, his best team currently has both of them in it. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the facts of it. Um, I, rather than that, I think Robertson comes back in. Or Robertson came off the bench yesterday, so if he's fit, he could start on Sunday uh, with Gomez dropping to the bench. Bradley staying where he is and Alexander Arnold staying on the bench. Maybe he doesn't change anything. Maybe he has Alexander Arnold to come into the game. Maybe he delays making a decision on definitely right. Because Alexander Arnold has to start, right? But not yet, maybe. Maybe he just pulls back a little bit considering that performance. Now, Arsenal are a much better side than Chelsea. So maybe Klopp goes, look, as as brilliant as Bradley has been across the last few games, Bournemouth game, this game, I am going to let my head rule what I've seen. Know that Trent Trent Alexander or Trent Alexander Arnold is the player to play there. Have him at right back and have him dropping in and doing his midfield thing, and then dropping back to full back and just revert to what they were doing before. That my gut tells me Klopp will do that. Maybe my gut's wrong. Maybe he just doesn't do anything except bring Robertson back in and leave Bradley where he is just for another game. And he doesn't really have to worry about hurt feelings anymore because at the end of the season, he just wipes his hands and walks away. Remember what he said a few weeks ago? Um, there's 11 guys on a Sunday or Saturday who love me. Then there's uh, seven or eight, seven or eight on the bench or whatever it is on the bench who don't. They don't love me, but they don't hate me. They're okay because there's a chance they'll come on. And then there's another, what, like six or seven that truly hate me because I'm not in the squad. So, like, yeah. um, it, it's so it's so interesting. I just feel, I suppose if I'm going to 
I, I, I am fudging this issue. I can, I can hear myself fudging. Um, I, I think he's not going to do anything that's going to disrupt what's ahead uh, in midfield, and so he may just, may just leave things as they and are. I, and I think he could get away with that. I don't mm. think he would fall into much criticism for going that route. Um, not that he's concerned with what the media thinks or fans think, but I, I think that people will be generally okay if that's what he does. Uh, one other note on this, Laurie, at Laurie, posted this on Twitter. Ready for this, JJ? Yeah. Um, Connor Bradley, Jarrell Kwanzaa, who I've also heard you speak highly of at times as well, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Andy Robertson, and Joe Gomez. So that's five guys there, all of whom we we think some degree of highly of. Your combined price, 11.5 million pounds. Uh, again, that is just ridiculous. Uh, this, but this is this is how, this is the way things have changed at Liverpool. This is Klopp, by the way. This kind of this, it, it's the systems. It's the, it's the a very good transfer crew. It's it's the scouting. It's the youth network, the youth system. This is well, and what's good about it is that this is what allows you to spend a record fee on your goalkeeper, on your center back. When you're developing players at other positions that don't cost you anything, it allows you those luxuries at other positions where you can spend. McAllister, and it's also even the, McAllister wasn't very much. No, and it's but it's the way to do it in in a in in a world of uh, what is it? it's not FFP, it's um, PSR. PSR. That's what you have to do, and you have to be clever. And it's also it's also a great exercise in team building, and it. It does speak to the roots of of the club as well. The club, in its pomp, always had local players or youth players coming through the ranks, and 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 that's happening. And that's why that's why Klopp said last night, "It's not that I want to go; it's that I have to leave." You know, because of the way he's feeling, those words really sting now because he has been instrumental to to getting the club to this point again. And you don't want anything that will disrupt what he's built, including him leaving. So, yeah. Um, it's 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 very it's a very difficult situation, um. But yeah, last night was last night was magnificent. Yeah. Now, so for those keeping track, um, you know, we were kind of clocking at the beginning of this month how Liverpool would look without Mo Salah. We're now at the end of this month. Salah's not back yet, but of course, Egypt are out of Afcon. Salah's dealing with an injury. We'll see exactly when he's ready to go. Uh, but at the end of January, they made it through the month. He played the first game of the month, and all the subsequent games after that. Uh, Liverpool won all of them. Yes, they drew one. Uh, However, that draw was the second leg leg of a cup semifinal. That was all they needed. They advanced to a cup final. The month was essentially perfect in the games that they were without Mo Salah. So, if you were worried, which we were to a certain extent at the beginning of the month, what are they going to look like without him? Um, couldn't have gone better. Could not have gone better. Couldn't have gone better. Um, Darwin Nunes breaking records. Well, uh, for hitting the woodwork in a Premier League game four four times, so I he's guess hit, the, he's hit the post twelve times this season. Thirteen, is it thirteen now? Thirteen. The next closest is four. Now, I look. Say what you want about his finishing. That's that's down to bad luck. I'm sorry. Thirteen times off the post. I think that's it's bad all, luck. I think it's also. I think it's down to striking the ball a certain way, when he's running through on the on the goal. He doesn't slot low. He strikes hard, often with the side of his foot and often with elevation. I'm telling you. Um, and, and that leads into it too. There was I can't remember the game it was. It's in the last month at least. And he's in one-on-one with the keeper. And I'm like, crossbar, cracks it off the frame. of the Like literally the right angle of the goal. Uh, <laughs> but he's a handful, absolute handful, 
Our most important player now is Diogo Jota. Like, I said a couple of weeks ago, I thought Jota and uh, Diaz would be absolutely crucial, particularly in the absence of, of Salah. And I, I, haven't, I, I couldn't have been proven more right. Now, people will say, well, you know, it's obvious. They're the guys who are going to come in up front. But it's not Gakpo. It's not Gakpo. And it's not, I mean, Nunez is important, but it's, it's not those guys. Absolutely crucial. Uh, Diaz and Jota, and I must say Curtis Jones is playing brilliantly too. Sure, absolutely. So, yep. Yeah. So, um, and and it's not like Harvey Elliott or or Cody Gakpo did anything in particularly wrong now, but they are they are now benchmen because of uh, the form of the guys ahead of them. It, yeah. Liverpool are in a very good space, and Sunday is going to tell another story about where they are and where they're going. What a huge game! What a huge game! I, I do before moving off of this. I just you know when we think of peak. Klopp's version of Liverpool, I, I think we'll kind of always have the image in our mind of Salah, Mane, Firmino, like sort of that that era. But I mean, I saw Andrew Beasley posted on Twitter, uh, Liverpool's shots in their last eight home games, 26, 34, 29, 13, 34, 21, 29, 28. Like they're winning all these games. They're dominating possession. They're getting off shots like crazy. I mean, if peak... Klopp, Liverpool was Firmino, Mane, Salah. This is this is right there with it. I think with yeah. the way they're playing. Yeah, I mean, people are calling it uh, Liverpool two point and I I kind of like I, I get where that's coming from. And, and they, they, I mean, this is the next the next iteration of that side. Um, it's Klopp's. It's the thing Klopp has done that's that's most amazing is the reinvention. And he had to do it on the fly. We look back at if, if Liverpool do win the title, and I'm not, it's not a guaranteed because City are, are, you know, doing really well in the background. But if, if they do do this, um, we're going to look back at that summer and think, how well did Liverpool do um, to address things that happened very, very quickly to them and very, very, how, how should we put it? Um, unplanned, unforeseen, to lose, to have your centre midfield gutted of all that experience mm-hmm. so quickly and to react and recover and get to a, a, a point where um, you can you can say, now Liverpool are, are in a title race again after that season they've just have, had. Like, where's the transition point here, Andrew? For Liverpool? Well, I yeah. guess it was kind of last season. And they, they finished fifth last year, right? So for them under Klopp, that was a step back. They, we said that, you know, I had said all along that the Klopp era at Liverpool, I never believed was over. There was some concern that maybe it was it had run its course. But what was it? They had played 60-something games the year before. Like, to me, what happened to them last season was sort of natural. Like, we're used to Manchester City, which is not normal. It's not, it's not natural that they can play so many games and not show wear and tear or, or just continue to roll on like a machine. That's not normal. I think what happened to Liverpool last year was, and I think... They were still great, and they made the right moves, and they've bounced back, and now they're in the driver's seat of a title race. And I don't think it's altogether shocking. Uh, so we'll see where it goes. And this weekend coming up, we'll we'll tell a lot about where it goes as they're going to play Arsenal, um, who won so, as well uh, yeah. just the other day. Before we move on to that, can I just give you one, something that's going to absolutely fry your brain. Oh. So, so what would we say was Klopp's? Version 1.0, the classic Klopp side. So it'd be Allison and goal, um, Bobby for uh, Matip and Van Dyke, Van Dyke, Robertson and Trent Alexander Arnold, 
And then in the center of the park, it would have been Wijnaldum, uh, Fabinho, Henderson. Right. And then up front, Salemane, Firmino. Yeah. Do you know how many times that team started together? That exact 11? That classic 11. That we think is a classic 11. I mean, it's got to be an obscenely low number, I guess, based on where you're leading me here. Once. Oh! Once. What was That's the one it. time? Was it the Champions League final? I think it was... Uh, was it the Champions League? I think it was the Champions League... I'm not sure what game. I'd have to go back and look. I'd have to go back and. What was their eleven in the Champions League final? Uh, not that. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I'd have to look at it, but not that. Duncan, the the brilliant Duncan Alexander at Oily Sailor always has something like this that blows your mind. But that was, I mean, I'm sure, it, barring injuries and suspensions and things like that, that was the team he wanted to play all the time. I'm sure, sure of that. But that's not the team that played all the time. Once, if you'd have asked me, I would have said. 45 times. Yeah. <laughs> 30 times. No, once. So I'm looking at the lineup now from that from the Champions League final. Right. That that is the team that started. That was the only time. That- I can't believe that. Was that that was the Champions League final team? Mon- I'm looking at it now. Mane, Firmino, Sala, Wijnaldum, Fabinho, Henderson, Robertson, God, Vin- you're right. Matzev, you're right. Alexander Arnold, Ellis- Allison. The only look- time they figures. Oh, that is so Spurs. The only time that the classic Klopp side could actually start together. I'm looking at the banner. Was... I'm looking at the banner. Uh, the you know you know the the the, the, the uh, what's it called the 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 thing they pass over to yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm looking at that, and it says UEFA Champions League final: Tottenham Hotspur versus Liverpool. Wow. Go figure. That is just that is just <laughs> just perfect. Chef's kiss, JJ, my brother in Christ. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Arsenal. Uh, like we said, who Liverpool mm. will play this coming weekend in a game that will. That could potentially go a long way in determining what sort of title race we're going to have. Well, it's, said, it's 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 a must win for Arsenal, isn't it? Uh, like absolutely. If, yeah. if Arsenal can, don't, I guess even a draw, they can kind keeps of keeps a minute. A, yeah, keeps a minute. But they kind of, as Mourinho said, they cannot lose. Yeah, they they cannot. If we want, you know, we've talked about what are the chances that we get a three team title race this season. If if that is going to be a reality, this is a massively important game for Arsenal coming up over the weekend. But before that, uh, they had to face Nottingham Forest the other day at the city ground, a place that they hadn't won since 1999. And they go there and they do that. Uh, 2-1 the final. Sadly, my biggest takeaway from this one is not really on the Arsenal side. They played they played well enough. They weren't amazing in this game. No, they, they were they were fine. Um, but unfortunately, my biggest takeaway is one that I had been kind of trying to fight. And I, look, I try not to show my American bias. I'm sure a whole host of people listening to this right now just laughed at the, that sentence. Uh, but I, I do try to be fair. Uh, but with Matt Turner, I, I'd been I'd been fighting it a little bit. You know, people are kind of had, had jumped on him and and were wondering is he good enough to play at this level? And you know, I'd yeah. sort of been fighting it and fighting it and trying to support. But I don't know. Sometimes a game happens, you just see something, and you're sort of like, I don't I don't know that I can keep fighting this. It was. It's a it's a terrible goal, I think, that he allows for Gabriel Jesus on the opener for Arsenal. It's from an an, an angle. There's there's no one else. Now I may I don't know if Turner can't see what's going on behind him. He should no. be able to know, but there's there's nothing else Jesus can do other from that angle. There's no player in the middle that he could center it for that Turner has to be worried about. It's just him and Jesus from an angle like that. I, I don't know how the ball can get through him in the way that it does. It's just yeah. And it's if it was that one thing, I think you say, look, this happens to every goalkeeper. But unfortunately for Turner, it just feels like there's been a building to this. Um, you know, the things that we kind of 
that we kind of thought about Turner coming into this season was, okay, well, look, we don't know what sort of distribution he can offer, but if nothing else, we know he's a great shot stopper. But but even that, JJ, he's Gone. 14th in save percentage. He's 33rd in post-shot XG plus minus, which I think is a good gauge for what a goalkeeper is. He's allowed 28 goals on a post-shot XG of 22.1. That's just not the kind of stuff that you expected from him. No, um, But even, you know, did you not think even with the Saka goal, his hand is so close to it. It's like, yeah, I, I'll give him a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of pace on that. He's sort yeah. of, I don't know. But I, he does let in goal. He lets in shots where you're like, come on, man. But but you're right. The second one, like if we're going to forgive him on some of those other mistakes, then he has to make some incredible saves. And he's not really. No. You know, so that that one was a possibility, I guess, the soccer one. It, would it, it's hard for me to rip a guy for not making a save that I would deem to be incredible. But at a certain point, you do have to do those every once in a while. He He's uh, he's second in the Premier League in errors leading to goals with three. Yeah. I mean, Wes Fodderingham has five yeah. for a goalkeeper. That's brutal. Uh, three is bad. I mean, there's uh, there's obviously outfield players in this. Like, Allison has two. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah. It's unfortunate. I, I the, the, the bad thing is, as well, like, we, we have no excuses here. Often, we go, well, the American gets dropped. Guaranteed, the American gets dropped first and won't get back in the side. He did get dropped. He did get back in the side. It, he has been given chances. Um, I, I, if you watch the rest of that game, because it's hard not to just totally focus on him then afterwards. There's a ball he comes for. He comes for it with Montiel, and then Montiel heads it away, and Turner comes, and he's he's just nervous. There's a lack of communication. There's another ball bounces in the box. He runs to go get it, then stops and pulls back. He looks genuinely jittery and nervous. And if I'm a center back, I don't want that behind me. I wonder if Nuno looks at that game and says, okay, we've seen enough of this guy. I hope not. I mean, look, I, what's behind him there? Uh, is it better than, than Turner? Well, clearly I not because but... it came in. It, it it was a veteran Greek goalkeeper or whatever came in and then Turner got back into the team. So, yeah. I mean, and look, it leads to now – I would say, fortunately for the U.S., we haven't really seen that side of Turner when he puts on the American kit. He seems a little more confident. No. Um, you know, his, like we've we've always said about him, like our expectations for him going over to to be a, a first team keeper in the Premier League were high because we thought we've seen him as a great shot stopper. We knew he could do that. Um, so I guess you know, there, I know there's a lot of American fans that are worried about you know, well, do we not have a true number one right now? Until I see this problem translate to him in an American uniform, it's hard for me to, to get to that place. I still feel good about him as my keeper. If the you would ask me this a few months ago, I might've said, great. I've downgraded it to good. I um, think the goals against Trinidad and Tobago were the first inkling that, ah, the free kick, which was blasted that he let straight through his hands, the top, like a top goalkeeper would bat that away. And then the, the winning goal, uh, down on the right, the, the Trinidad player comes down the touchline and just blasts it past him and Turner gets really, really low, which is, seems to be a problem for him too. Um, so, But you're right, generally speaking, we haven't seen that kind of a performance or that kind of a problem from, for him. And unless Greg has seen something in the January can um, from Patrick Schulte or something like that, I, I don't, who's who's coming in to there's, take the There's not much right now. No. It's a, it's about Which as dry a, it's as a rare, well has been. Yeah, it's a rare barren uh, goalkeeping spell for the U.S. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, the next opportunity will be what the the Nations League semifinal. 
Um, so, you know, that'll be a, a nice test run to see, okay, well, what version of Turner are we going to get for Copa America? So um, yeah, that'll be interesting. There's going to be a lot of eyes on him um, certainly for the rest of the season in the, I mean, now, now he's got Liverpool or, Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm still, that's Arsenal that have Liverpool, not Turner. Um, so yeah, we'll see. There are going to be eyes on him the rest of the season and certainly American eyes at the uh, Nations League semifinal. Any thoughts on Arsenal in this one? Like I said, Gabriel Jesus. Uh, Mikel Arteta mentioned that Jesus was dealing with some fluid on his knee. Um, uh, he he really kind of had to petition to play. They let him and he rewarded them for it. He played really well in this game, scored a goal. I think he set up the other one as well for Saka. Um, so that's think- good at, at least. It, it felt uh, it felt typical Arsenal. There was a lot of nice moves in it. There was a lot of times where the Farce were sat in and they were, you know, they'd run the ball to the sideline, push it back, Odegaard clips it into the box, head it away, that kind of stuff. We've seen a lot of this from Arsenal. Um, but the the two goals were decent. Um, weird seeing Emil uh, Smith-Rowe start mm-hmm. um, ahead of Kai Havertz. I, I think that's only his second start in like 18 months or something. So, um, yeah. Um no, Arsenal did what they had to do. They got the win and, and all yeah. eyes on Sunday now. Uh, let's see. We move on, JJ. Uh, boy, fun game in North London yesterday between Tottenham and Brentford. A game you where... You went through it. You went through I all mean, the was, emotions. It was quite an experience. It was, like I said, it was a fun game and it offered it offered everything. Um, there's, a, there's a few things to get to here. The first one I want to mention was that this was a... There, there's a few players... That, I don't know if Liverpool, if you've seen this quite as much for some of these recent Klopp-Liverpool sides, but one thing I've noticed with Tottenham, there's always a player that, for whatever reason, catches the ire of the fans. And yeah. right now, it seems like there's there's a couple for Spurs. Now, look, Timo Werner only just got there, but he kind of he catches the ire of Premier League fans, generally speaking. Yes. You know, Richarlison has kind of been that guy. Brendan Johnson quickly has emerged as that guy for Tottenham fans. They don't think he's been worth what they paid. Well, it was a good day for all of those guys. Anybody that has has been in the crosshairs recently for Tottenham, they all played well. I mean, look, Timo Werner, he still in many ways looks like the Timo Werner that we remember at Chelsea. He is not a great finisher, which I think we kind of expected. But if if that now becomes part of your expectation, then what you're left with is actually a pretty decent player. If you're not expecting him to be a great finisher, he's turned out to be a very good creator. Oh, what a what a great ball he played in to Brennan Johnson for the goal. Mm. Brennan John- Johnson gets his goal. And then Richarlison, JJ, who, I mean, look, Tottenham fans, even myself, I said stuff about him last year. He was written off by a lot of people as right. a bust for what they paid 60 plus million. He was a bust. And look at him. He's got eight goals and three assists now this season. None of the goals from the spot, by the way. You know, he started 14 games. He's got a .90 goals plus assists per 90. It's a good number. Like yeah. if this is the production that you're going to get from Richarlison, you're happy. He's 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 proven to be worth at least close to what they paid for him. Well, I don't know. I think it's too soon to 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 get to that place. But there's definitely been an uptick in his uh, his danger rating and his ability to score for Tottenham. That sure, uh, I I still think that Andrew in the summer will be looking for a striker and out maybe, and but court. I think he will. Um, I mean, Richardson's scoring every game now. It feels no, like no, he's not sticking with Richardson. I mean, it depends what the ambition is, and it depends what's out there. Also, there may not be someone who's who's markedly better than him. Uh, I I was surprised by the amount of um, nastiness in this one. This one was like this one was tetchy. Uh, Brentford, obviously, after going one nil up, decided you know what we are going to slow this thing right down from like the twentieth minute onwards or whenever the goal was scored. It was. You know, there was free kicks that were belabored. There was Nathan Collins going over like he'd been shot. 
when he was just mildly caressed by um by Richarlison. Uh, Richarlison, yeah, it was him. Um, it's it ridiculous. Was lot... It was ridiculous. Yeah, Let's call yeah. it what it was. It was ridiculous. Brentford have more of the S house in them than I think a lot of us had. Uh, I yeah, that was a little bit eye opening. Look, no one ever considered Tottenham Brentford to be any type of derby, but <laughs> this one was feisty. Oh yeah, Genu- I mean genuinely. And you have Neil Mope, who generally when he's not scoring and he mostly isn't uh going around just irritating and annoying people oh he is he i'll say he's the worst oh that guy is just the worst so he so james madison this season for anyone who doesn't know um has a goal celebration even when he doesn't score if he provide whatever whenever someone scores he does like a dart like he, he pretends he, he mimes like he's throwing a dart at the camera yeah. um and so Neil Mope, after he scored, he did that celebration with Ivan Tony. But mm-hmm. Mope was the one, I think, leading the charge. And so so afterwards, talking to TNT, James Madison said uh, about Mope, he probably hasn't scored enough goals in the last couple of years for his own celebration. So he probably had to copy mine. <laughs> Mope then on Instagram posted a picture after losing. <laughs> Mope posts a picture. This felt a little Serginio Dest posting posting highlight reels after uh, bad games. Or Mope Mope posts a picture of of the celebration, and he writes. He concedes went a bit early with that one because he did it so early in the game. Gutted we couldn't get the win, but then he doubles down. JJ more goals and less relegations in my career than James Madison. We go again Monday, bees. All right, he's got to respond. He responded. <laughs> I mean, look, but they here, had a little, they had a little tete-a-tete on the field as well. Well, they sure did. It was the most was passive-aggressive it? hugging I've ever seen between two people. Aggressive um, caressing. I mean, Madison was clearly annoyed, which I have some thoughts on as well. But like, from from Mope, talking about Mope for a second, just his whole his whole shtick. Look, it's not. If I were a player, it's not what I would do. But I generally don't. I generally don't have an issue with trash talking and winding up the opposition. That's fine. But just know, like, if Neil Mope. When you do this, there are, there are really two consequences that come from it. Number one is now I hate you. So that's part of it. And number two, the more important one, you do anger the opposition. Now, sometimes that's okay, but making a good team angry so early in a game is not always a great strategy. No, and I think idea. for Tottenham, we saw both sides of it. In the first half, it got to them. I mean, it really did. And they lost their heads. I think that coupled with the fact that the incessant time wasting in the first half from Brentford, Tottenham kind of Tottenham lost themselves. And Ange talked about it afterwards. He he was asked whether the Mope celebration fired up his team, and Ange said, "I hope not, because that's exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not a fan of it. I don't like the whole bravado of pushing people around. If you're that brave about things, then my players and their players can get in a UFC cage, and I'll see how brave they are." (laughs) Uh, we're out there to play football, and that's what I want our guys to do. Focus on playing football. They shouldn't get motivated by things that aren't really important to us. Um, so, And it did. I mean, it looked like Tottenham were annoyed. And then they went into the locker room at halftime. I don't know what was said, but they came out, and they were different. And they scored three goals in 11 minutes. And they, for a little bit, they took control. And then it got terrifying again after yeah. Udagi made a terrible mistake. Uh, Tony gets one back. It was a full Tottenham experience in this game, and that's they're going to concede chances. It's just the way it is. You can look at every metric. They concede their their opponent XG is really high. They concede a lot of opportunities. Um, but it did lead to something that was a little bit interesting, JJ. We've wondered, will Ange bend at all? You saw a little. In the 88th minute, they took off James Madison, and they brought on a third center back. 
And they basically finished out the last 10 minutes of that game deep in from the 88th on to the 98th when the game finally ended with pretty much a back five, low block, break us down, I dare you. Yeah. And it, and it got a little hairy. I was terrified watching Brentford on that last corner bring their goalkeeper up. Um, but Tottenham got out of it. So it does, again, it was most of the game, like, you know, no, they're up two goals and they're still doing their thing. But late in the game, he did, it did look like a little bit of a, okay, we, we're going to see this one out however we have to. So we'll see. We'll see if that's, um, if you can expect more of that. Quite honestly, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I think that a manager does have to be a little bit flexible. Yeah, it was a slight bend to to closing out a game. Um, slight, I suppose. And also, he had to take Madison off because Madison does not have enough minutes in the legs to be staying yeah. on that late. So. Agreed. Yeah. One final question on this, not really pertaining to this game necessarily, but just generally. I would like someone out there who has a lot of time on their hands. I would like to see some sort of research conducted over how what is the success rate of teams that waste first half time like does that does that work do those teams usually win I feel like I I don't know I'm wondering like second half when you have a lead I get it but like in the in the 18th minute you're taking three minutes to take a free kick like how often does that stuff actually work when it's all said and done I don't know I'm skeptical yeah, I think the la- the later that you implement it, the better its results, I would think. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Tottenham up into fourth, up into fourth place now. Uh, let's see. Brighton torn to pieces by Luton. I mean, what in the hell? Uh, Brighton conceded in the first 20 seconds. And then ball goes back to the center, restart again. And then they concede within 40 seconds of that restart. It's 2 nothing in the third minute. Not ready to start the game. Defending was disgraceful. Oh, really um, bad. Elijah Adebayo finishes with a hat trick. Ross Barkley experiencing, I mean, it, what a second act or even a third act. I guess the first act was the good one. The second act for Barkley was the not so good. And now he's got this third act to his career going at Luton, which looks amazing. Um, and look, I would say this about them, JJ. You can't say that it's happening entirely out of nowhere for Luton. They didn't lose in January, the whole month. Their last loss was that 3-2, that thrilling game against Chelsea that they lost. Um, They've played well against Liverpool. They scored three and nearly earned a point against Arsenal. So props to Rob Edwards. Um, And the ramifications of this one were massive because I saw this from Opta, JJ. So before this match day, Luton had a 62% chance of being relegated. After, it's now just 36.3%. They improved their chances by a little over 25% just in this one game. Wow. Could yeah, be looking huge. at looking look, looking at the table, they have a game in hand over Everton, and Everton are in the relegation spot. And Luton could are, be facing a further a further point deduction. Who yeah, knows? looking clear by a point. Um, I I have to say, you know, it just this game just from the beginning, ninety conceding after nineteen seconds, uh, just being overwhelmed by Luton's like aggression and their and their and their balls in behind. I mean, the Agbeni goal though, the entire uh the entire Brighton defensive line just kind of steps up and has no regard for him at all. And they obviously don't step up in time and he's in and he scores. The goalkeeper comes, doesn't get anywhere close to him. He just rounds him, goes straight past him, doesn't even round him, goes straight past him and, and taps it home. Just Brighton have what? They have three wins in 16, something like that. It's beginning they've, to, maybe, they've, maybe they've like, taken a little step back, JJ. I think, I think, well, they started the season so strongly, we were like, oh, what step back? Deserby's a genius, et cetera, et cetera. But at some point, maybe the size of that squad, maybe the constantly having it gutted by better teams is just beginning to catch up. 
I mean, they lost McAllister, Caicedo. You know, those were were huge losses Massive for them. For them, yeah. Um, you know, Matoma away right now. Um, yeah, I mean, look, they're they're in the Europa League, so they have other things on their plate, and they're Definitely. doing well, by the way. I mean, that might be, and by the way, still, where their focus is. There's still a point. They're 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 a United on goal difference in eight. <laughs> no, like, so true. I mean, we probably should calm down. There's there's only what there's eleven points between them and and Aston Villa in fifth. Like so, just, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's a bit of a slump. Uh, yeah, yeah. This was this was a weird one. I just I love that venue. I just do. I know I've said that before. I love watching games it's there. Awesome. Ah, <laughs> it it is. really, it yeah. is cool. Um, uh, one other Premier League game I wanted to mention: Newcastle. They end Aston Villa's home unbeaten run. Almost a year that Villa hadn't lost at Villa Park. I think it was early February of last year. Was the last time. So they were coming up, right up on oh. a year. Um, Fabian Shar scoring twice. Not a normal occurrence. No, definitely not. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, Villa had most of the ball. Um, they had more. I mean, marginally, they had, they had more shots on target. But um, yeah, it wasn't Villa again. Villa just slipping away a little bit um, from what they were. It was going to be very hard to sustain it. And I mean, it was badly needed win for Newcastle. So um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and maybe we'll see Newcastle kind of right themselves a little bit. I think you should. You probably should. Um, but, yeah. Um, remember how excited we were a month ago about Villa? It's kind of... Well, they've dropped a fifth now. Yeah. Um, Leveling points, mind you, with Tottenham. Yeah, I guess Tottenham... Tottenham only three points breaker. off Arsenal. Uh, three points off Man City. Pretty incredible. It is. And you think of some of the losses they've had. Just how, you know, like the the Wolves defeat, giving up two goals in stoppage time. I mean, could even be a, a bit. Now they've had some fortune as well in some of their games. But yeah, pretty amazing. Um, who was it, JJ? On, uh, on I'm trying to remember which goal it was. But Alex Moreno, I know you've, you've played more, a little more than I have. Moreno on, I think it was the third goal that Newcastle scored. He went at full speed right I mean, I don't know exactly where he made contact with the post as he was trying to get back to stop the goal, but it was it was quite terrifying. How many of those have you had where you've slammed at a, at a fairly high rate of speed into the goalpost? Can you never. shed any light onto how much that may or may not hurt? Because it looked terrible. Never into the goalpost. Oh, okay, good. Never, never. I worry about you. Yeah, no, uh, that's never happened. Ended up kind of like uh, trying to clear a ball. This was actually in um, last summer, the summer before, and seven aside ended up in the net. But never, oh, never crashed. I've never crashed into the post. I've never hit my head off the post or anything like that. Which is—is is that what, just because you don't want it enough? <laughs> clearly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, okay. um, no, never done that. I've, I've seen people. I've seen a goalkeeper kind of hit his face off the butt of the post, trying to save a shot down low. And obviously, if anyone wants to look up. Phil Bab Liverpool hits post. Just watch that and uh wow. Okay. Maybe I'll do that during the break. We'll go ahead, we'll step aside. I'll watch Phil Bab get hurt. Uh JJ has something that I haven't seen yet regarding Lindsay Horan that I'm I'm scared. I'm a little nervous. Yes, um, I have also disrespect watch. Dis- disrespect watch, which I'm looking forward to. Um transfer deadline day is actually going on as we speak. 
It's been a little bit anticlimactic, but there's a couple things worth mentioning. And JJ, I have a, a small kind of a mini mailbag here as well. So still a lot to do here on, on a fun edition of a, of a silver medal winning show caught offside more after the break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, back now. Caught offside. So, all right. Um, what do you have for me, JJ? Oh, we're going to begin... Before we get to uh, Lindsay Horan, who's been talking words to Meg Linehan, we're okay. going to start with uh, Chris Wilder. Um, can we listen to this? And then can we pose the question, can one be disrespected by someone eating a sandwich? I've been to see the referee. I've told him that um, one of his assistant, assistants was eating a sandwich at the time. I thought that was a complete lack of respect. Uh, hopefully he enjoyed his sandwich while he was talking to a Premier League manager. Well, what, what, what did you make of that? Uh, so where were they? Where did this happen? I guess this was in the referee's room after the Palace game. I believe, I believe that that is disrespectful. if, If you are having what, I don't know, an argument of some sort or a a intense conversation of some sort, put the sandwich down, engage in the argument. I believe that that is that would if that were me in Chris Wilder's shoes, I would feel disrespected. I would feel a little wound up by that as well. That's if, weird. That's weird if, to me. If, <laughs> you shouldn't be eating during a conversation like that. No, unless you're if out I, to dinner together, right? But they weren't. He's gone into the referees' room, and likely the referees are are already there. They're you know maybe they didn't know he was coming. They're so, already but, but now he's down. there. He's there now. Put right. the sandwich down. It seems, yeah. I mean, he's bottom of the table. The team's under a lot of pressure. They've just lost a close one. I suppose. I suppose he's going to get wound up if you're if you're there, eating a sandwich. You're the assistant referee eating a sandwich into his face. I mean, this is this is not without precedent. One of oh. my favorite scenes in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Larry is trying to apologize. He was disrespectful in some way and it was he didn't realize it but it was brought to his attention that he disrespected someone. So he called them to apologize and while he's apologizing he's eating pistachios. He's cracking shells and throwing pistachio in his mouth during his apology. And the apology I believe I'm trying to remember but I think it was not accepted. It was not accepted because you <laughs> because can't of, eat food during an apology. And I I mean it, I kind of see that. Yeah. It sounds a little. It sounds a little like you're not serious about your apology. I'm thinking of it now. If you came to me in a moment now, if you were angry at me and I started eating a sandwich, I definitely think you'd be like, what "Put the, the effing sandwich down! What are you doing?" <laughs> and now I'm starting to think of what grade of sandwich would inflict the most amount of ire and annoyance on you. I'm thinking if I had a massive chicken parm that's just like dripping everywhere on my yeah, fingers yeah. And, yeah, you're, and you're yeah you're licking your fingers yeah sauce you're, on your chest 
Or yeah, or if you came to me and you're not angry with me, but you came to me and something bad was happening in your life and you had to just you had to tell somebody something and I started eating spaghetti. Yeah. Disrespectful. I, Disrespectful. Oh, hang on. Let me just eat this hot dog while you uh share your feelings and you deep, pour your heart thoughts out. with me. <laughs> yeah, it is disrespectful. Have, you can't have food in a crisis situation like that. In a tense situation, food does not provide levity. You shouldn't do it. We're team Wilder on this. Yeah, we are. So that was the thing I wanted to. And listen, uh, or forward slash caught offside pod, if the animals have a view on this. And, and by the way, if you have ever a story about um, about disrespecting someone through the medium of food, I'd, I'd love to hear it. As long as it's tasteful, you know, yeah. not anything weird. Nothing, JJ, I, just, I, I should tell you, I, I did. <laughs> I just watched Phil Bad. Oh, you did? I did. Oh, it's I mean. <laughs> It's. I don't want to. I don't mean to laugh. Like it's, it's how I deal with with these things. It's, it's horrifying. possibly burst a testicle in that, right? Pop one. Oh, yeah. Do we know what happened? We need a follow up on this. Uh, do we know if he was okay afterwards? I think. He yeah, was okay. I need. I, I need came, more. I can't remember. I don't think he even came off in the game. Okay. Yeah. Because he was tended to. Oh, you'd need a lot of. T- how do you tend to that region when it's just crashed into something? It's like. <sighs> Even touching, there's no touching that can be done there. It's, it's going to be very, very tender after that. Just got to walk it off, I guess. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Oh, I did get a, a wet. I'll tell you what's almost as bad as that. Just my, Actually, nothing's as bad as that. But a, a wet, cold soccer ball between the legs hmm. makes contact with either the, the tip or the just the general uh, gonad area. Oh, Jesus. All right. Awful. Awful. It'll give you a pain right up into your stomach. Understood. Anyway. Uh, there's no easy transition to this, but Lindsay, Lindsay Horan of the U.S. women's national team was talking to the athletics, Meg Linehan, and it's, uh, here's some quotes from it anyway. So I would like to start with the most American thing you could possibly say, and then a little bit of American disrespect. Don't, don't worry. There's no, uh, Meg Linehan didn't start eating a sandwich when Lindsay Horan was talking to her. Uh, so here's the first part. Could, could there be a more American quote in the world? Not sure. Uh, this is Lindsay Horan. Then you have the mentality aspect on top of it. She's talking about the U.S. women's national team squad, where if the football is not going well, we know that we can we can freaking go. We have players on the field that are faster, stronger, capable in behind, and we're going to gut it out, right? The world is going to be very fearful. So should I comment on these things one at a time? Right, take that one first. So that's her talking up. Uh, the, the general conversation was, we don't know what this team is. We don't know what the team's ceiling is. But Lindsay is very excited still about this side as, as a veteran player now in this team. So I would say that it's. I'm glad that she has a lot of enthusiasm about the state of the team. I would say that that's a little bit of the mentality that feels like has gotten them in some trouble. Like that's sort of what's worked for them in the past. That right. I feel like... I mean, look, coming out of this World Cup, that was the conversation was that they couldn't just do those things anymore. That like technically the world had gotten to a place where you couldn't just out hustle. Like yeah, you have to also meet their technical ability with with some of your own. And I'm not saying the US don't have that, but this like we'll just run faster than them. That that doesn't I feel like it kind of has gotten them into the predicament they're in. And by the way, their new manager kind of said as much. Emma Hayes sort of said that this, that's where this team is lacking. 
and they can't be like that anymore. So I, 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 I would almost be equally as curious to hear what Emma Hayes' thoughts are on a quote like that. Like, be be excited about your team, talk them up, however, but talking them up in that way, we're just going to freaking go. I don't like. I don't know that that's enough anymore. Yeah. She's on about mentality. She said, we've had individual brilliance. We've had soccer players on the field and real players that want to play and it all kind of meshed together or it would always work out or our DNA would take us to this place where we would come out on top because our mentality was so effing good. Well, anyway, yeah, all right. so, so that brash um, Americanism aside, she then moves into something that I think a lot of fans are going to be insulted by. I, and and we, we can comment afterward. Uh, America, they're basically having a general conversation about the criticism the team gets, especially after the the world the worst World Cup showing that they've ever had. American soccer fans, most of them aren't smart. They don't know the game. They don't understand it. But it's getting better and better. She takes a brief pause, sensing that those words too will cause a stir. I'm going to piss off some people, she continues. But the game is growing in the US. People are more and more knowledgeable. But so much of the time, people take what the commentators say, Right. My mom does it. She breaks into laughter. My mom says, Julie uh, Julie Foudy said you had such a good game. And I'm here just going, I was effing S today. When playing with Leon in France, Horn says things are different. From what I've heard, people understand my game a little bit more. A sense of my football and the way I play, she says. It is the French culture. Everyone watches football. People know football. If I was to design something to annoy quite a lot of American football fans, it would be to say that most of them aren't smart and then to compare them to the French. That will not play well. I think she talked herself into a little bit of trouble with that one. I think so too. And the fans have really, I mean, that's a tough one because the, God, the love that a lot of fans have shown this, team for so many years and then they they had a bad world cup what do you want us to do like they had they, they they had a bad world cup and they were criticized for it and yeah is this her not putting up a a tough exterior because that criticism has got i don't know i but that's a tough look for a team that has been so beloved for so long to then turn around and talk about the fans not being smart right that's huh. that's gonna get her Right. Fans aren't so, going to love that. No, they're not. And it's also it also just speaks to a team that has been given their flowers and lauded so much for so many years and now is beginning to get criticism and they can't hack it. Also, J- Julie Foudy said you had such a good game and I'm here just going, I was effing S today. That's a shot at the commentators, right? That's that's literally saying that the commentators also don't know what they're talking about. Um, and that the fans are very easily led by the commentators. I would disagree with that. I you see the pushback that Alexi Lalas gets all the time. The pushback that um, who else am I thinking of there, Andrew? Uh, oh, Carly Lloyd, yeah, Carly Lloyd. Like a lot of fans will openly argue with her, and you know, I don't, sure. I don't think that's the the case. And that, I uh, think that, by the way, I think that that's probably the case in every country. Fans comment like, fan fans who take the lead from what commentators say. Fans who put, I don't know, I don't put as much stock into that. I, I'm a little more focused on the first part of her comments about yeah. and then fans not being very under, smart in the but, US. But, but to, to, I mean, she sets it up as, oh, uh, the, you, the Americans are just, they're not smart and they don't understand what I'm doing because she finishes by saying, I, from what I've heard, people understand my game a little bit more, a sense of my football and the way I play. It is the French culture. 
So like that yeah. is big. I don't like that at all. Now what I, I am be... constantly, I am constantly surprised. Not surprised. I'm less surprised, but I used to be constantly surprised about, especially with our listeners, the level of knowledge that they do have, and of a lot course. of them, a lot of them haven't played. You know, now, of course, obviously there are people who are who are brilliant soccer minds in this country. There are. Yeah, but now, there's I guys will... under a guy sit, sat on their sofa and they know what they're talking about. Like, uh, yes, they exist. And look, we're tapped into a lot of, if we're going to compare it to overseas, you know, we're tapped into, because of how Premier League centric we are and how much we care about it. Trust me, I see a lot of dumb S from English Premier League fans, not from this country yeah. in talking about games. Now, I will say this. She could have found a much, she could have and should have found a much gentler way of saying that. She's not entirely wrong. I mean, the, the football culture here in the United States is much younger than that of parts in, of, of that in Europe. And so there is still there's still also, probably some learning to go on here for a lot of American fans. So agree. I agree. There's, I, there's a way also, she could have said it. Also, there's another thing at play here. I think that the, the regular hardcore soccer watcher in the U.S. does know their stuff and they're not dumb. They're not. They are smart. But. In a when the women's national team play, you hoover up a ton of people who don't regularly watch the game but have access to Twitter and will say things and 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 will be led by the commentators. Okay, but like you can't just generalize about a fan base in the way that she has. You know they are not most of them aren't smart. I would disagree with that strongly. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, for a team that's. For, for a team that for a few years, and I know it's it 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 has been seized by people on the right, people and Fox and outkick the coverage and all those who love to kind of tell us how arrogant this team are. These these quotes don't help in 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 pushing against that. And I know those guys have got their agendas. I know they do. We we've heard from them enough. But like saying this stuff does just doesn't help your cause. Don't want to put a wedge between you and your fans. I don't know who that serves. I'm, she... I, I, how have I only just seen this article? Like, I got, I, let me see when it came out. I mean, I think I, I've just came I out only... three hours. It came out three this, hours ago. Yeah, this only just happened. Right. So, so I'm, I'm trying to gauge the response on X. I'm sure it'll be measured. Yeah. No, that's. I don't like that. I mean, don't love it. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Uh, let's see. All right. A couple more things, JJ. Transfer deadline day, like I said, not a ton at time of recording to report on here. Um, we we mentioned this the other day, but Gio Reyna, it is official. He joins Nottingham Forest on loan for the remainder of the season. Um, I'll tell you this. like We all know this to be true, but when you just see the numbers in front of you, it really does crystallize how disappointing his trajectory has been at Dortmund and, and why he so badly needed to go. So yeah. in 2020, 2021, he started 23 matches for Dortmund. The next year, six. The next year, four. This year, one. I mean, like that, Eden Terzic had, had kind of just given up on Gio Reyna as an option. Definitely. So he had to go. We said the other day where he wound up going to. I don't know if that's amazing. Um, for a couple reasons, we'll reiterate them from a playing time perspective. I don't know that there's immediately a clear route into the 11. I think maybe he'll be used much more as a sub in the beginning, but there's a chance he could break through. But it's at this point, it's it's not entirely as clear as I think some American fans wished it would be. I, I agree um, with you. It's not that it's not 100 percent clear. Um, yeah. I mean, they are definitely going to use him because he's alone. Um, 
like why not? They're they're in a, a battle to stay up. But it's if you look at the team that played against Arsenal, um so it's gonna be it's gonna be the four two three one. So Chris Wood is gonna lead the line. Nico Williams came in and played alongside Morgan Gibbs White and then Dominguez. So like now, Gibbs, to... Gibbs White would be the position that, in a perfect world, Reyna would occupy. But I think right now, Gibbs White is—he's not—he's not giving but, up that spot. But right, but there was Elanga and Callum Hudson Adoy, uh, who could also play across that three that's in behind Chris Wood. Were Both also, of them, like, Elanga especially. They... Elanga's had a good season. It, it, guys, I we'll God, I hope he does play. And the God. other thing that the other thing that worries me a little bit is. Okay, so so he will play. Now, whether or not that's in a starting role or coming in in you know, the 65th minute or so, that remains to be seen. Might be a little of both. He will play. The question is, so when he does, does Nottingham Forest play a style that is best suited to what he does? Uh, Graham Ruffin on The Guardian wrote, only Sheffield United, Luton, and Everton have averaged a lower share of possession per match than Forest this season. And JJ, I would imagine that that number will drop even further as statistics continue to build with Nuno as their manager. Yeah. So not to say that Geo can't thrive or play well in some sort of counterattacking style, but it's not necessarily where I would say he's best suited. You kind of want him on the ball as much as possible where he technically he's he's so gifted. You want him to be able to showcase that, you know, te- counterattacking. Think- do, you, do you those come in quick spurts? It's sort of oh, speed yeah. driven. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I picking know. a good pass is important. Sure. Definitely. When you're when you're trying to when you're trying to break out that. But like. Can you see him hearing down the field sprinting? Like, you know, I, I kind of, I, I don't see that. And I worry about those hammies. Yeah. Oh, man. A little worried. Now, look, I'll say this. With all these concerns that we have, if this goes well, oh, what a great sign that will be. That he could go to a side that doesn't see a ton of possession, that isn't all that good, that's battling relegation in, in the most physical league in the world. If he goes there and this goes really well, this could really rejuvenate his career, the way people see him. So it could be a huge success, but it, it's not going to be easy for that to occur. I think right now is kind of how we feel about and it. And it could be a shop window. I know, like, so Dortmund have re-signed him uh, or extended his contract, and then he's gone out on loan. But, like, you, you get the feeling that this is a shop window for them to sell on. Yeah. He needs to play then, and he needs to stay fit, and it's uh, it's tremendously worrying because we rate him very highly. So we were asked yesterday by uh, Brian, the owner of Black Horse, what we thought of him, and um, our our honest our honest opinion is like he, Brian kind of asked, is he is he good enough? And we think technically that he is, but physically we're worried, mm-hmm, and I, I think yeah, that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Um... Other transfer window, not a whole lot else. I saw Paxton Aronson is going to join Vitesse on loan from Frankfurt for the remainder of the season. Um, hadn't really been getting a lot of minutes at Eintracht Frankfurt. Hopefully he will. Vitesse also in a relegation fight um, in the Eredivisie. So we'll see. Like I said, a time of recording, not a whole lot going on. I saw there was some talk of Brian Heal and Brighton being interested in getting him on loan. Huh. Heal sounds like he is happy at Spurs right now playing under Ange, even if he's kind of fallen down. Uh, the list in terms of options that Angie's going to go to, especially with every people coming back oh. healthy. Uh, oh, there is a little bit here though. Oh, okay. I'm uh, on football three, six, fives transfer tracker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's 20 past five. Uh, they posted this 25 past five English time. Uh, there's some Fernals Ben Rama noise here. Okay. With Maxwell Cornet 
also apparently up for sale. We're surely not being wildly giddily optimistic in thinking there might be a West Ham incoming over the coming hours in the wide forward area. If they're letting those guys go, yeah, okay, that's going to go over. Uh, uh, also, uh, Fabrizio Romano tweeting um, Armando Broya to Fulham. Here we go. Agreement reached on loan till the end of the season for four million fee to Chelsea. Yeah, uh, Broya will complete medical tests tonight in order to sign later. So. Liverpool have all have told Nottingham Forest to do one after oh this isn't good for Matt Turner after those tricky trees made a late attempt to raid Anfield for backup keeper and copy paste stalwart that's true Keevin Kelleher in fairness Forest are down to the bare bones for goalkeepers what with having only signed four of them currently in the first team squad and only two of those were signed in the summer hmm. so Forest clearly. Um, have had enough. I personally, as much as I love him, I do not think that uh, Kevin Keller is the answer for Forrest either. Happy pace. That's good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, we'll see what the rest of the window shapes up to look like. Hasn't been a super eventful January. Um, I think people sometimes are, it is, sometimes it's it's not. People are realizing that there's there's now consequences for being not just financial, but uh, Points deductions if you're being naughty. So, yep. Uh, let's see. AFCON, Asian Cup. Uh, a couple notes specifically for AFCON that I wanted to mention. Boy, what a fascinating quarterfinals. I saw CBS Sports Galazzo posted every nation from AFCON 2021 has been replaced by another in 2023. That's incredible. None Crazy. of Africa's top five teams in the FIFA rankings are in the quarterfinals. Um, again, like- Incredible. Some of the upsets that we've seen, especially oh, Algeria right. losing to the 105th and 115th ranked teams. Algeria's 30th. Um, what, Morocco even, losing to the 63rd ranked? I think South uh, Africa was 63rd. No. It's. I, I said, just because I know them, I feel like I know them <laughs> a bit better than the other countries. I said South Africa could be, could be a tricky game for Morocco. I didn't expect that. Mor- Morocco, I know they missed a penalty. Um Hakimi's penalty was oh I mean, just just terrible. Blasted, flicked off the top of the crossbar. Just oh. maybe he should have gone back to his Penanka <laughs> on the maybe. World Cup. Anything would have been better than that. Um But but like you know, it's it's not like they created a ton of chances. They didn't really. And South Africa were very, very ruthless with the with the chances they took and uh, uh Obviously, evidence uh, Makoba's uh, goal I thought was offside. I, I definitely think I and I saw the Morocco. I think that I'm pretty sure he was offside, but goal was given anyway. You play it to the whistle, etc., etc. Uh, and Mokwena's, um free kick to win the game at the end was just the icing on the cake. Uh, Amrabat had just been sent off, so all of us that were kind of gassing up Morocco and talking about how great they were, we. Um, yeah, it's it's all change in Africa. It's been a crazy tournament. And you wonder now, so... Look at, look at these, these quarterfinals. So tomorrow, Nigeria play Angola. Uh, DR Congo play Guinea uh, also tomorrow. Uh, one at 12 and one at 3 p.m. Um, and then uh, Saturday, Mali versus the Ivory Coast. Cape Verde versus South Africa in the other game on Saturday. Just It's a wild quarterfinal. Please. And, and you, you wonder, JJ, after Ivory Coast, the host nation... I mean, barely got out of the group. And now it's kind of 
because of a series of other upsets, in some ways you almost wonder, up. has it opened up for them? They wouldn't. Yeah. Nigeria have to be viewed as the favorite. Ivory Coast wouldn't run into them until the final. So, I mean, who knows? With all the craziness of this tournament, if we if you wind up with an Ivory Coast-Nigeria final, you'll look back and say, oh, in the end, it, I guess it wasn't too shocking, but the road to get there has been insane. Tons of yeah. goals in this tournament. That's leveled off a little bit, but it was a record set. More goals have already been scored in this tournament than either of the last two total, and we're only at the quarterfinal stage. So it's it's been a wild it's been a wild tournament, uh, Afcon. Hopefully, we'll the the rest of it will deliver much of the same because it's been a lot of fun. Um, let's see, JJ. I have a mini mailbag here. Okay, you can do that. I permit okay. it. Um, I should say before we get into it, one of the the pieces of mail that we saw the other day, Rough Commander, uh, who who took a little bit of a shot yep. at you, one of the animals, that Rough Commander, shot. big shot at you, had a real problem with you suddenly out of nowhere, weirdly becoming a Bills fan uh, by sheer coincidence. Incredibly, when we were out yesterday uh, at at the bar in Brooklyn, he was there. Uh, that's a, that was amazing. We met yeah. him and his girlfriend, and they're going off on a wee trip. We trip. They're going away for. A, I don't know. I don't know what what's Six public weeks? knowledge. I don't know. Yeah, oh, but maybe you should keep quiet. Do their families know? Do their on, bosses know? I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe they're on no, the lamb. It was very nice to meet him. It was so cool, and we we had a we had a photo. Um, should have signed something, but we didn't. Oh, ew! What? Who are you to sign anything? That'll devalue whatever you put your name on. <laughs> uh, but it was great. Love, love meeting uh, some of the animals, putting faces to names. It's it's awesome. Uh, some other animals, JJ. This is long, but I, I do want to read it. Um, this comes from Effort Merchant on Reddit. We talked a lot the other day about Javi. Uh, he said, I like the Javi Barca discussion. I feel bad for the guy. Club legend proved he has potential last year and has been dealt such an S hand by his club. Uh, the part of their shortcomings I think he's responsible for would be their style of play. Last year with their yeah. roster shortcomings, Javi opted for a defensive and pragmatic style. It wasn't pleasing on the eye. They grounded out games and were ultimately successful winning La Liga. Um, this year, he decided he was going to return to the classic Barca style of play, pressing and attacking, except he didn't have the horses to press with Busquets moving on and Gavi getting hurt. So it looked like the Super Cup Classico. No pressure on the ball up front and in midfield with a high defensive line, just a recipe for calamity. I was disappointed he kept pushing for this style and never switched to a more defensive plan B. Sounds um, like a good breakdown of uh, of what happened there. Can he do that? Like, that's the thing that I wonder about. Like, I wanted to read this because he's disappointed that that Javi didn't switch to a more defensive style. Now I will say they, they have just yesterday, it was another one nil win for them. You know, they've won a lot of goals games by one goal. They've had a bunch of one nils. Um, but like at a club like Barcelona, it feels like it's one of those clubs where I hate to say it, but it's almost, it's not enough to win. You have to win a certain type of way. They're obsessed by their own narrative and their own history. Same as Ajax. Same as a lot of these clubs. Same uh-huh. as Manchester United. You know, you hear Gary Neville talking about United are uh, just a team that's led by counter-attacking and great wingers. Oh, okay. Well, that was then. You know, what about now? Um, and, and Barcelona are kind of trapped in the same narrative cycle that we have a way of playing. It's the Barcelona way and we won't, we we will hire a coach that literally was the player that, uh, that saw it at its zenith. Right. I don't know. You got... And the way they're going to do that, I mean, look, you can bring in players from all kinds of clubs, Lewandowski, Rafinha, whatever, but like that style will be most likely to take hold and succeed if you're using guys who came up from within who who have been playing that way since they were 12 years old. Barcelona are trying to do that with some of these young players, Yamal, Fermin, obviously he mentioned, you know, Gavi being hurt, but like 
it's also going to take those guys a little bit of time to adjust to the top level. And look, I watch Yamal play and he's, he's, you can see he, oh my God, he's incredible. What is this guy going to become? But like, again, we've said that it feels like a lot of kind of square pegs, round holes with Barcelona right now. I don't know. It's weird. I saw Ian Dark. He tweeted also, uh, feel sorry for Xavi. No easy job in post-Messi Barcelona. Immersed in financial woes. Now he's going. Top coaches might see the job as a bit of a poison chalice in current climate. Hard to meet expectations. I think there's some truth to that. Definitely. Um, I mean, that's pretty much what we said on the last pod. Wouldn't touch it. Um, Finally, JJ, I wanted to ask you, so... We talked on the the last podcast about my older son Jack yes. dealing with with his first true sports heartbreak. He had, for whatever reason that remains unknown to me, he liked the Detroit Lions this year, and they suffered one of the worst losses I've ever seen uh, for an NFL team in, in the NFC Championship game. And he was it was horror. His reaction was just heartbreaking. And so a lot of the animals weighed in with some of uh, some of their memories of of their first or worst sports heartbreaks i saw a mention of uh, mexico netherlands for a mexican fan which must have been just brutal i saw a bunch of mets ones from the animals uh cowboy fan mentioned romo's drop snap for seattle horrifying uh a good one here the 05 penn state michigan game i remember that one i was at a bar watching that as as someone who does really like penn state that was terrible the bills were mentioned a couple times What, what about you jj what is your we've probably talked about this before but what what when I say your worst loss, I, th- there's been plenty of them. I would, yeah. I would. The one that pops out to me is um, in '99 when uh, United went on to do the treble. They had, uh, I think it was the fifth round of the FA Cup, or uh, they had uh, Ma- Manchester United played Liverpool at Old Trafford, and Liverpool were leading through a Michael Owen goal, and Solskjaer came off the bench and scored two. Yeah. He. So. He he could do those things. Oh God, that that I mean, was a, that was a sickener. Uh, that, that, all, that that was really rough. That one. when when I, you ask this for for American fans, it's almost an unfair question because I'd say a hundred percent of American fans now all have the same answer. If, if the Trinidad loss in twenty seventeen, if that happened to seven year old Andrew, I, I might still be crying. I don't know if I ever would have recovered from that moment. I, I think every American fan would agree that that loss is probably the worst. If we're disqualifying that because it's like too easy, um, boy, the U.S. loss to Ghana in 2010, I hated that loss. That really, that really stung. It I felt stunk, like the, yeah. it felt like they had an opportunity there um, that they couldn't take advantage of. I mean, look, the loss to Belgium in 2014 hurt taking that team to to extra time. Wando almost scoring a winner late in, in regular time, but that Belgium team was so good that it maybe. I don't know, makes it a, maybe in some weird way a little easier to stomach. But the Ghana one, I felt like the U.S. had a chance. And that that one, uh, I don't know, that one always always bugged me, certainly. Um, sadly, there's a lot. There's a lot out there to choose from. Uh, Sorry, yeah, I got that wrong. case with sports fans. Yeah, I got that wrong. Dwight York scored to equalize in the 88 minute. And then Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came on. I think it must have been his first touch of the game. Uh, scored in the 98th minute to win 2-1. That was, uh, did you cry? Weeks. Uh, ninety nine. I yeah. I didn't cry. No. Do you remember the last sporting event that you cried sad tears for? Like I still will cry happy tears for like great moments. I can't help it, but I haven't cried yeah. in a long time in sadness over a loss. The la the last time I cried a sporting event. I can't remember mine. I must, and, you, I, and it's funny because it used to be like a weekly occurrence when I was little. Yeah, no, when I was small, it, it happened all the time. When I was younger, not now. No, it hasn't happened in a long time. Things right. I I 
believe me, I've cried over a lot of things, but not sure. this. Yeah. No, not this. It's all part of the aging process. Um, well, there you go, JJ. I don't don't have much else. Heck of a pod. Yeah. Oh, absolutely heck of a pod. I'm off to get a chicken parm sandwich, drive <laughs> to your house, and just eat it in your face. Yep. Well, I confess important things to you. Yep. And you uh, look disinterested. Uh, I enjoyed this immensely. We'll, of course, be back. Huge game this weekend. Liverpool and Arsenal. Can't wait to talk about that one early next week. JJ, this was a lot of fun. To you, I say... Check you later, fun boy. I'll see ya. Take care, Andrew. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 